You just have to believe in what you're doing and, and not and not change when there's like a trend going on. You know, there's a lot of things with street food and that that took off. You know, there's now all this vegan malarkey going on, but I ain't got anything against vegans, but it's not for me. I don't want to <laughs> yeah, shut yeah, down yeah. my throat. Yeah, um, no, that makes sense. And there's a lot of places that are now they'll start doing vegan everything. There's a lot of things like, you know, Greg's and that, for example. It's crazy. Don't change what, you, what you're doing because Peace. trends come and go. And just stick to what you know and do it well and people will come. Hello and welcome back to Breaking Bread, the Birmingham-based food podcast presented by Food Obsessed Mates, Liam and Carl. I'm your host, Liam. Very, very happy to have you all here today with us. You know, we do this podcast because we honestly believe that Birmingham has one of the best food and drink scenes in the country. We really do love it and we often feel like it just doesn't get the kind of respect or recognition it deserves. So we're here to kind of tell you all about it and share the stories of some of the amazing people who make it so special. So thank you all for listening and thanks for everyone who listened to our last episode with Mike Bullard from The Butcher's Social and Henley. Awesome response again. Um, obviously we've been quite chef heavy lately and people seem to like the chef ones. Uh, we get a lot more feedback about the chef ones but we like to keep it fresh, keep changing it up, give you different things. Um, but yeah, thanks very much for listening to that and for everyone who took the time to get in touch, we love that. And for everyone who's gave us a rating on iTunes and just the little messages, thank you very much. Really do appreciate it. Obviously, if you did enjoy that episode and if you listen to this one and you enjoy this one, which we hope you will, whichever app provider you're using to listen to this podcast, if you just, there'll be a little subscribe button there somewhere in the corner. If you could just click on that subscribe button, obviously it's free. Our podcast is always going to be free. But yeah, so you can subscribe for free and that way you'll just never miss any of our episodes. Every one will be straight into your uh, inbox you might even get a little notification on every second friday when we release so if you could do that for us that'd be brilliant as always in the city there's lots of really exciting things coming up and we like to just give a little plug in the intros to some of the stuff that's coming up we got a nice little message yesterday from a little group called violetology events they're a group based out of university of birmingham they for their course they've they're organizing a really 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 cool event it's just something for you gin fanatics on sunday the 15th of march at 4 p.m from all bar one brindley place they are hosting a fantastic gin tasting event obviously to be break of different gins to try and different tonics to kind of pair them with and decide which ones you like the most and make your own garnish to go with and make a garnish garden take it home with you so that's awesome um, there's and there's a raffle so that's class and probably the best thing about it is it's all actually an aid of the really incredible St Basil's uh, nice little local homeless charity in Birmingham so if you can go and buy tickets I think tickets cost £15 plus booking but obviously all profits go to St Basil's really great charity really great group of people if you could go and support that we'd be really grateful you can get the tickets on it's on Eventbite if you just search for gin tasting in Birmingham probably will come up we'll also make sure the link is in our show notes so you can head over to that and 
just click that link and buy some tickets it's Sunday the 15th of March in all bar one in Brindley Place uh, you'll not want to miss it some of the raffle prizes they've got as well really great prizes um, hopefully the city's been generous like it usually is in these kind of things so yeah if you could support that that'd be great another thing we have on on May the 9th and May the 10th the band is hosting for the very last time at this venue the independent festival um, not sure if you've been before it's just awesome event street food there's pop-up restaurants coffee craft beer uh, natural wine bit of everything really just a really nice atmosphere great event and as i said this is the last one but tickets have just gone on sale for that they are selling out quite fast and i think they do always sell out real fast so if you've got them tickets yet go ahead and get them you can probably just search independent birmingham on any social media platform and you'll get the link to that make sure you get in there fast before they're all gone so that's coming up that's exciting them tickets just dropped this week so that's cool now uh, on to today's episode this week's episode is with young head chef of fine dining restaurant maribel really really beautiful restaurant in brindley place fine dining they do a la carte and tasting menus but I know everywhere says now like oh it's relaxed to find out this is really relaxed it's great atmosphere in the restaurant and harvey's food is incredible it's hard to believe how young he is well it, i mean he started in kitchens at the age of 14 while he was still at school he started training at opus worked his way there before moving to some really top name restaurants including like obviously cooked for michelin while he was at hampton manor just yeah an incredible journey it's hard to believe he's only as young as he is his head's screwed on as you'll hear in the episode like he's well ahead of his of his time like most of his mates probably still out partying but his head's well and truly screwed on and he's he's doing something amazing at maribel and it's really worth getting down and and tasting his food because it's really good we we have a really great chat with him and i really hope you enjoy it uh, this episode we Give you a real insight into one of the most talented young chefs in the country and what it's like to be head chef at such a kind of big name restaurant you'll, you'll hear more about why it's such a big name restaurant during the podcast and you'll hear more about harvey and his career so hope you enjoy ladies and gentlemen harvey hello and welcome back to breaking bread the birmingham food podcast Presented by Food Obsessed Mates, Liam and Carl. I'm your host, Liam. This is Carl. Sorry, I'm burping. Hello. <laughs> Today, we are very, very lucky to be invited into the beautiful restaurant that is Maribel. And we are joined by head chef Harvey. How are you, How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah. Doing okay? Yeah, doing all right, getting there. Don't seem too nervous. A few beers? Yeah, a few beers, chilled out, that's it. That's the way to do it kind of want to start as we kind of start most podcasts want to get to know you a little bit more so we just said off there then and i wish that we were recording that you're not originally from birmingham no i'm not no but you're an honorary brummy now yeah i like to say so i think so as well yeah a lot of people who know me would say i am yeah so where were you from originally so i'm from nottingham originally and uh, moved to birmingham in 2007 age of 11 age of 11 yeah. straight into school straight secondary school straight into secondary school year seven midway through uh, yeah, it took a bit of time to adjust, but like I said, I feel like a brummy now. What, what part of Birmingham? Uh, Edgebaston. 
Edgebaston, yeah. nice. What Don't worry, it? I say Edgebaston. It's not the nice part of Edgebaston. It's just because it falls under the same postcode. It's <laughs> <Based laughs> <on> Monproud. <laughs> what did you think of Birmingham when you first came? Or? Uh, so, like I said to you off air, then I, it was a massive culture shock for me moving from Nottingham, uh, being the only Asian family in our area and in the community actually, and uh, moving to Birmingham, and it was just a massive culture shock. Um, took a bit of time to adjust and make friends. Um, culture uh, shock for the better yeah. Well, for the better yeah. yeah like I said I feel like a honorary Brummy now and yeah. this is my home and uh, seeing other people that had similar interests to me like food wise background wise as well because food was a big part of home life and yeah that. massive um, I think that's what really uh, gave me the inspiration from a young age uh, this, this picture's of me I should have brought them with me today actually me uh, with pots and pans and, uh, instead of like toys or action figures and stuff but like going from my grandma right to my mom as well it's it's always been really important to me you can definitely send us over them photos and we'll use them to promote this but they did i have you in the kitchen straight away or uh not not really i'd say it's well when i was seven eight years old is when i first really saw what was going on like in the home like my mom would make a chicken curry and it's still my favorite thing to this day um, seeing my grandma make chapatis by and rolling them perfectly round I mean to this day I can't even make them perfectly round <laughs> um, so that's a credit to her I suppose but um, but yeah from the age of 7 and 8 you know the smells in the, in, in the household and just seeing the food that was produced good home cooking yeah, yeah that's what it's all about was it a good way of getting new friends like I know if my yeah. if my mates mum mum and grandma cooking food like that I'd be there. <laughs> yeah, what we used to do in our neighbourhood in Nottingham, it was in our cul-de-sac. We used to swap dishes around. So like my mum would make a curry on a Sunday, and uh, there's a family that I was really close to. Like I was close with their daughter. We were very close friends when we were younger, mm. and uh, her mum would make an apple crumble, and it's still my favourite dessert to this day, apple crumble. But we used to swap dishes. So there'd be a Chinese family down the road as well. They'd make something, they'd, they'd send it over, and it'd be a really real community vibe going on. What was so special about the crumble? Oh, I don't know. It's just it's just one of them. It's you, haven't, just you, you haven't tried to rub the recipe and no, do like no. a fancy <laughs> version at Maribel, like <laughs> deconstructed. Well, actually say, saying that. You didn't I, teach uh, Simon Carla this apple crumble, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, I've got a, a dish on at the moment, actually, so on, on the pastry section. It's like a take on apple apple pie kind of flavours. you got a part, but it's got parsnip in there, so you've got parsnip mousse. Um, oh, what's that like puff pastry it's really nice really it, what, not what you'd there. expect not what you expect a lot of people say the parsnip tastes like white chocolate because it's it's got a nice sweetness to it and we put vanilla in through it as well in the puree um, it's got a nice tanginess as well we finish it with cream cheese so it's nice and balanced well, a nice bit of acidity in yeah, it yeah that's, that's I'd say that's the nod to the uh, the old apple apple crumble so from there then obviously food's big influence at home when was your first job in a professional kitchen? So when I moved to Birmingham, it was, I think it was about year eight when I was the age of 14. And I was in a cooking competition at school. And obviously because I'd been interested in food pretty much most of my, my life up to then. I used to watch cooking programs and everything. And um, What was your favourite? I'd say it was Ready, Steady, Cook back then. I was only a child. but Do you know how many people? Amazing. Every chef says Ready, Steady, yeah. Cook. Like everyone... Like it's everyone's like secret little thing. Like everyone's a bit embarrassed by yeah. it, but really, like it was class, wasn't it? Like yeah, it's because my mum used to have it on, so I used to sit with her and watch it. You know, so it was one of them. Things. Everyone loves the idea as well of just like somebody handing you a carrier bag full of food it's and saying, "Go on then, go cook." Yeah. It's like chefing at its most basic instinct. That yeah. it's it's amazing. Like, see, sorry, I interrupted there. But. That's right. <laughs> 
So you were saying then your first job? When I moved to Birmingham, I'd done a cooking competition at school called Future Chef. Any child between, any any kid between the age of 14 and 16 to do a competition. And I'd done that, entered it, won the school heat. And after that, I'd done, uh, I went to the regional finals, went there. I won that and the uh, that's where it really took off for me was the, uh, one of the judges was uh, Professor David Colcom, chef director at Opus at the time. Oh yeah. And uh, he obviously judged it and picked me as a winner. And he, What'd you cook? I'd done a smoked haddock risotto with a poached oh, egg. Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's and, good. Um, How did you know how to cook that? Just well, it's just that's that's the thing. Like when we was in school in food tech, we'd have to do dishes up obviously for for our. I don't know if it's not an exam really when you're at school, but for the project. And um, I went of, to the wrong school. A lot man. of kids were doing like stir frying stuff and you know yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's what I did. I, I remember when it was stir. We had to do a stir fry. I rocked up there with a the duck breast, like glass noodles. I was thinking <laughs> I was. I was thinking like, I was next level. Like, and um, it's basically from that really I, I used to just always do things outside the box like different dishes to everyone else and then everyone will get me to like help them chop an onion or do this and in the class was that competition still going um, you know, i think or, it is in some yeah. form i think yeah. it's still called future chef that's a um, good idea isn't it yeah it's, it's really not, good it should be it gave me it gave me something else to do you know at school when when you're young you feel like you can just mess about and do whatever but it gave, actually gave me a bit of stability at that age I think. academically good uh, <laughs> No. <laughs> no, I leave that to my brother. <laughs> no, I wasn't wasn't very academic. I'm more of a learn when I learn think how to do stuff. I'm more hands-on person. Yeah, uh, I need to be involved in it and and see it be done in front of me and be involved in the learning process. You always knew that about yourself, so it was yeah, always I always knew that. Like sitting in class and stuff wasn't really for me. I drift yeah. off and stuff like that. It's kinesthetic learning, more hands-on, hundred percent. Did you win the competition? No, so I'd done the regional finals. Unfortunately, I didn't win the national part. But what had happened when David had judged it, he um, basically invited me to Opus to uh, improve the dish and see yeah. how the kitchen was ran professionally. Was and, it anything uh, what you expected? Or? No, it was it was insane. But I loved it though. Like I just loved it. Like the way people are like buzzing about, like zipping from one end to the other, getting things done. It was on a Saturday actually. I went there and um, he basically said, "Oh, you he, here's a head chef, Ben." He's still there to this day. He was like, you can improve your uh, smoked haddock risotto with a poached egg. How about a butter sauce on there? I was like, okay, I've never seen it before. Let's have a go. And just things like that. And then it, from there, it really took off because after that, he was like, do you fancy... I didn't win the competition, but after that, yeah. he, he'd said to me, how about a fancy uh, a Friday night, Saturday job while I was still at school at the age of 14? Was, was like, that it? You knew then that was it? You yeah, I was like, that's it. I'm hooked. I was hooked. And um, I'd done that. And uh, yeah, from there it just snowballed. At fourteen, how were you getting to and from the restaurant? <laughs> um, so that's that's my mom. That is, yeah. So she was driving yeah, you to there every Friday, and, Saturday night. Yeah, my mom had spoken to David, and still to this day they've got quite a close relationship. That's I like gonna... to think of David as you know, my father wasn't around when I was growing up. And, yeah, uh, my mom's single parent, and um, David was sort of that father figure for me. I was going to say because that's a big step to for a fourteen-year-old yeah. as well. Yeah, so I can imagine you were working till quite late. Yeah. It was working working quite late. Obviously, on the Friday, I finished school, have a couple of hours, and go in at like six, seven o'clock, and I'd be shadowing the person on the veg section. And then it came to a point where I was basically ready to do it on my own, and I was running the veg section throughout the week. Obviously, they're doing the prep for for the rest of the week, but for the for the Saturday service, I'd do all the prep and everything. Wow, cheap labour, I suppose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, then I wasn't. You know, you don't at the age of fourteen. I'm not thinking about money or anything. No, no, no. Hold up. I'm, I'm working. I've got a job. Like. Well, that's a good restaurant as well. It's not like yeah. 
flipping burgers at McDonald's. Yeah, that's to, to a high standard as well. And obviously, the word got around at school like oh, Harvey's cooking. Like, oh, oh, my mom's my mom knows that you're cooking. How do you want to come around our house and do? I'm like, oh, I don't really know. Much, <laughs> sure. I can if you want me to. So it was sort of that point you're at school and thought, well, I'm definitely doing this. So school can definitely do yeah, one. That was that was it. And like I said, I wasn't that academic, and it's something that I love doing as well. It gave me a purpose. Yeah, absolutely. So it was one of them. As soon as you were able to finish school, that's it, full time. Yeah, and that's what happened. I was doing, I was working there, doing the summer holidays, and then I'd done my exams and stuff at school. And uh, David said, "How about you doing an apprenticeship and coming on full time?" I was like, "Yeah, let's go for it." And he sat, he actually sat down with my mom, and went through with her to say if I wanted to go to college, UCB. And my mom had actually stepped in and said, "I don't think that's a good idea for Harvey because." the way he learns he's not you know he's not focused enough to which is the honest truth I'm not focused enough to go and sit down in a class I'll probably end up dropping out or something like that and that was the best decision that was ever made for me doing the work on on-site apprenticeship so you didn't go to college at all didn't go to college didn't go to uni oh I just wow did a workplace apprenticeship yeah. that's amazing because another company or restaurant might have made you just go for like have to do all that yeah and then for your mum as well. Was your mum always happy that that was the role you were going to do? And Yeah, because my mum had seen the, the kind of path I was going down anyway, which wasn't a nice one yeah, um, at, that, at that age. And that's that's mainly, apart from her getting a job and moving to Birmingham, that was another reason we came to Birmingham, hmm. was to get a bit of focus for me because I was yeah. out of control as a kid. I was Because of what had happened with her and you know a single parent, that kind of stuff had an effect on me at a young age. And moving, we had to move here closer to the family to keep an eye on me to make sure I was going down the right path for sure. Yeah, I suppose because I'm sure you won't mind me telling everyone you're you're quite young. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's progressed a bit because you know when when I was like 16 to say I was going to do a chef, like wasn't the most prestigious job, like you know, and there was negative connotations kind of attached to it. But you had none of that. I had none of that. None of that came into my into my mind at all because it was giving me a purpose and I was learning so much and it was in, it was enjoyable but I was proud to go to school after the summer holidays and say oh, I've just worked six weeks in the kitchen and I've earned a bit of money as well you know what I mean and I didn't know that at the time until I was a bit older but my mum was saving the money for me and for my 18th birthday she gave it all to me I was like wow I earned all this while I was doing <laughs> that at 14, 15, 16 yeah that is incredible yeah well, how did you find the food at Opus? Was it used stuff you were used to? No, not, not <laughs> all. Well, I'd seen the stuff obviously on the cooking shows and stuff, but it was it's you know two rosettes. It was a really good standard. Looking back now, you know everything's made in house as well. And that was you know I'd say always say about Opus. I was there for six years, you know from from the age of fourteen to twenty, and uh, I'd say it gave me gave me the foundations and gave me the core skills and, and the regiment as well of how to work in the kitchen. And I'll always be grateful for everyone that was there. There's a couple of times I used to misbehave. Obviously, I was still still out of school, still raw. In that sense, when you come out of school, you feel like you can talk to anyone. However, because you talk to your teachers like that, you think that's how the world is. It gave it gave me that discipline and gave me gave me the respect of working with others. It's, you know, it's not a one man team, and uh, being involved in something. Is there any particular examples that you could cite that was any good example of how you were sort of put in your place? Uh, yeah, there's a couple of times where I used to talk to senior member of staff sometimes, so especially Ben, we had a few run-ins <laughs> when, I was, when I was there. Um, because obviously I was David's golden child, as they say. Um, so I used to go out with David and do like the outside events and stuff like that. And, you know, go to, I remember we went to a school that one of the directors is on the board and uh, it was with, with Kraft. 
we went there and they were sponsoring it and we were showing the kids how to chop veg and stuff and he took me because of my story yeah it, it made sense to take me and uh because i was a golden child i used to get away with quite a few things yeah with the way i was speaking <laughs> to people and stuff looking back now maybe they could have been a bit more harsh on me actually yeah because yeah. i wouldn't take it for sure i say we hear some stories about how some people are treating kitchens it sounds like you've had a great time compared to well, well, yeah. when, when i was first there obviously and david was there i was there i didn't have any chef shoes or anything i just had like the basic stuff I used to wear Converse in the kitchen and I'd be standing looking at what the sauce chef's doing and the veg section's all the way on the other side of the kitchen and uh, he'd be like David would come over he'd be like what are you doing over here? I'm like oh I'm just looking chef he's like get back in the corner and this was like the first when I was there for like the first four weeks like properly and I was like oh hold up a minute like I wasn't expecting this like you've just offered me a job and been all nice to me and like built me up and I'm like well what's this and it made me realise I've got to earn people's respect you're not just going to get it handed out to you and I ended up earning his respect. I, I put a graft in. Yeah, I was working hard, and there's there's a couple of times I was I'm almost at breaking point. You know, I'm young. I'm still. I'm like, mom, I don't want to do this. Going going home in tears. Wow. No one knew about it because I put in a brave face. But when I was at home, I opened up to my mom, and I was like, I don't think I can do this. But yeah, um, I earned his respect, and I remember the day I know I fully earned his respect when he brought um, a pair of chef shoes, the same ones as he's got. And he brought them over to me and he was like, these are for you. And I was like, wow. I was like, wow. He's like, what are these for? He's like, you've been working hard and I see the potential in you and uh, well done. If anyone doesn't know, do you want to explain what chef shoes are? Chef shoes are like Crocs or, yeah, similar to Crocs or Birkenstocks at that time, yeah. You say you had moments where you were thinking of packing it in and you were going home in tears. What made you come back? My mom. She was like, no, she was like... Kicking and screaming. No, no. More of the, the opposite, actually. She took softly softly approach but um she could see that i was enjoying it most of the time like it was it was very rare i'd come home upset but she'd be like you need to learn how to take criticism and be told how to do stuff because all your life up until that point when i was told to do something i wouldn't do it <laughs> and that's and that's why i just go against the grain and i had to learn that to learn how to take on feedback and learn how to take people speaking to me in a certain way and, and listen and, and do as you're told and that that was it really and it was her without her I wouldn't be here today so I really do owe her a lot <laughs> it sounds like it yeah. what does your mum think of your food? Uh, she loves it yeah she doesn't really come out to eat much she's not really a, that of a foodie person but when yeah. she does like to come out sometimes I remember her coming out with one of her, the people she works with where I was working them one time and she, I remember going out to the table and she said uh, I'm dead proud of what you've done and so it was the first time actually she'd come to eat and she's like I'm dead proud of you and you, you know you're doing really well and that's amazing that's when you know you've made it then uh, <laughs> once yeah. you once you've made your mum happy that's it that's it yeah i was always uh, i was always a second favorite child as well so it done all right for me that day <laughs> every sibling thinks i love you mum <laughs> so you're working at opus how far up the sort of food chain did you go there in the end so i got up to chef the party when i was there wow yeah so it wasn't wasn't too shabby no no um, but it's it's mad because i'll go back a little bit when i was a bit younger there and obviously working while I was at school we used to get the kids in from the college we were doing the placements and stuff and I'd be running rings around them not in a boasty way but I'd be yeah. running rings around them and they'd be like how old are you and I'm like I'm, I'm 15, 16 May how old are you oh, I'm, I'm 19 <laughs> and they're like we have to, used to have to pick these big boxes of spinach and uh, I used to do them in like 15 minutes and they're there like crouched over the sink like literally picking one leaf per like four minutes like, it's ridiculous <laughs> but but yeah, I got up to chef the party when I was there. And uh, did you get much influence on the dishes at that sort of level? 
Uh, a little bit, but it was more of the case of running section. So I was doing the veg section for a long time. Then I yeah. moved over to the larder, which was the cold starters. Then I moved over to the hot starters, and I was doing a bit of fish. I didn't really do much meat cookery there or butchery um, because David was always in the mindset of that's a, a job for the people who are the head chef, sous chef, yeah. myself. Um, it was never really a job for like someone who's a chef to party. But I was... I, I used to sometimes prep the fish and stuff. But. Did you have a favourite dish while you were there? Uh, not, well, not really a favourite. One that sticks out in my mind, though, which is still on the menu to this day since they opened, is the, the smoked haddock and leek fish cake they've got on there. Yeah, po- yeah that, with yeah, the poached yeah, egg. Post egg and that's yeah. been on since day dot, and uh, it's still going strong to this day. But I remember having to make them, shaping about 150 of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, and it's still your favourite. Yeah, with one mould as well, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, took a bit of time, but once you get into a rhythm, it's all right. It's quite therapeutic. I'll take your word for it. I don't fancy trying it. Like. <laughs> now, looking back now, I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't go back to doing that, no chance. Do you have a favourite thing that you learned from Opus? I know you probably learned that much, but yeah, probably, do you have any favourites? The one thing that sticks out in my mind is when uh, Ben, uh, I do owe Ben a lot, actually, because he, he's, you know, he put up with me. I was a terror. And um, <laughs> the one thing he actually showed me was how to prep like lemon sole and Dover sole, like take mm. take take the skirts, gut it, take the head off, and, and that's one thing that actually sticks in my mind. Actually, that I learnt from there. Fish is intimidating, like really. It's once you see the face, you yeah. panic. <laughs> I love I love prepping fish. And I love prepping anything really. Like once I've been shown once, I, I very rarely make a mistake now. But um, yeah, once I've been shown once, I, I can know how it's done. You got that fast learning. Yeah, that's it. once, never forget. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? I'd say it's quite a few chefs that learn like that, and then they're probably dismissed in school. Yeah, because it's a completely different way of learning. That's why schools don't really work. They're not. And they're, no. they're, they're not looking back now, they don't teach you about life. I think if school taught you about life, you'd be okay. There's, you know, a lot of people that go to school and what have you learned? Really, not really learned anything. Or how much of the stuff that you've learned do you use after you finish school a lot none well, when you're, oh, sorry when you're at school yeah you don't you once you've anything, yeah. anything you learned at school you don't you, well, like, when you're out of school when you're working on a job or something you learn everything you learn, you learn everything, everything about, like, yeah. how to pay bills how to do this like everything i've said I, i've learned probably more in the last five years than i did in the whole like 10 15 yeah. years you're at school yeah. it's it's crazy yeah it is yeah how did you finish your time with opus was it yeah, it was okay. I, I mean, uh, obviously, David had left by then. It was like six yeah. months, six months before, and uh, I took it quite hard actually. He, he parted ways with Opus, and I was like, "Well, like the what the one person who put all this into me, and they're no longer here. What am I going to do?" And I was at a crossroads. I was like, "What am I going to do?" I stuck it out for a bit, but then I where had he, had he gone somewhere else? Or yeah, he just he just yeah left uh, Opus, and he was doing his own thing. Oh right, yeah. So, I don't know why, but he was just doing his own thing. I left it for six months, st- carried on, but I just felt like I'd hit a ceiling and I wasn't going to learn anymore. I know I'd got up to only a chef to pie, but I felt like I wasn't going to learn anymore from, from Opus. Yeah. And the food was kind of changing as well, the style of food. It was becoming a bit more more brasserie type of food and more relaxed and, you know, like poo yeah. with quinoa salad and stuff like that, which is, is great, but I wanted to learn what I was doing before. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of went a bit more bistro, yeah, kind of more, more accessible, relaxed, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is still good. Yeah, it's good. It's just not what you wanted to do. You know, when you when you run in a restaurant, you need to be, you need to think on your feet, and you need to think of ways to be, keep relevant. Maybe, yeah. yeah, 
Oh yeah, I mean businesses have to stay fresh. I mean if the business doesn't matter how good the restaurant is and how good the food is, if the business isn't making any money, what's the point? Yeah, <laughs> you know. That's it, yeah. Did you hand in your notice like pretty much straight away and moved on? Or? Yeah, and then I, I just moved on. They wanted me to stay, but I just I like I said I hit the ceiling and I was just like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stay anymore. And that was it. That was the end of it really. So where was next? So after that I was I didn't know what to do. I didn't I didn't know. So I knew I wanted to carry on being a chef, but because I'd been there so long, I'd become a bit institutionalised. Yeah, because you started there so young as well, yeah. like you've grown up with Opus. No, see, and yeah. that's one thing I'd say about being in this industry is don't stay somewhere too long because yeah. if you go somewhere else, you're going to get ran circles around you. Did you do any stages or any at Opus? Uh, no, not when I was at yeah. Opus, no. But after Opus, I moved on to Hampton Manor, and that's where mm. I ended up next, and that's a whole different ball game that was where for me like the kind of food I do now is has a little bit of influence from there was it Peels 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 yeah. Hampton Manor yeah Michelin star so it's obviously so, yeah well when I went there it was three rosettes and to be part of the team actually cooked for Michelin which was you know no one could take that away from me yeah yeah no um, being being a part of that whole process and seeing what it takes and uh, winning that Michelin star as part of the team and the fourth rosette as well was insane yeah four for uh, there's not many restaurants with four rosettes wilderness no, has one now or is it it's, it's free i think yeah. free is it most of ramsey's restaurants free rosette as well or something i'm, like? I'm not sure but yeah, with stuff it, like that i, I mean it's I like, a big I, achievement i know um the michelin star gets all the uh the attention, attention yeah. and the media and stuff but don't sleep on the ai like <laughs> yeah that's it and some of the best restaurants are AI. yeah some of them have just got rosettes or you know some places that are really good they don't even have anything Butcher Social, yeah. Yeah. Social and Henley, yeah. Butcher Social and Henley doesn't have that. Little cheeky plug. <laughs> Does this not go? This hasn't got any reset either. No, no, nothing. Because they changed the name from. Uh, it used to be called Edmunds. Yeah. They yeah. changed the name to Marabells um, because the chef, head chef before me wanted it to be a different name um, because he had a problem with the old head chef. <laughs> yeah. And didn't want to work for his granddad's name or something. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I think if everyone does a bit of googling, they'll probably hear. Yeah, they probably, can come across yeah. that story. I'm not, I'm not giving no free. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's some somebody else's uh, podcast yeah. and somebody else's problem. That. <laughs> what did you start at Hamden Manor? Where did you? So I started off as a chef, chef. party. Yeah. And uh, I ended up leaving there as junior sous chef. I was only there for two years, but ninety percent, ninety five percent of the time, it was amazing. Just learning. It was a totally different way of learning, different way of working. Such a family culture it seems that way like yeah. everyone's everyone's in it together like you know we i remember we used to come in at nine o'clock do a bit of mise en place we would get a break because we don't do lunch service there yeah and the afternoon tea was looked after by banqueting and stuff so we just literally come in at nine o'clock focus on the restaurant it's only maximum 25 covers doing that and then at half two three o'clock we end up going to the boozer <laughs> <laughs> go to the boozer sink about four pints <laughs> go back and produce this level of food it was insane like you know, we used to do that kind of thing. I don't know if it's the same now, but we didn't do that every week, mind, or every day. I'll just let, let that be known. But uh, Kind of a whole kind of work together, play together, family. Yeah, I remember we used to go, you know, we used to go to Resorts World sometimes together, the yeah. lads in the kitchen, or we'd go for pizza and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, it was a proper family environment. Was it more of a kind of take your time and make sure every single dish is perfect? Whereas before you might have been something like... We've got to get this done fast because we've got lunch coming up. We've got this coming up. Or Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a totally different pace. It right, yeah. slowed right down for me because that Opus, you know, you're running around. You're coming at 8 o'clock, you're, you know, you're running around and you know, 100 miles an hour trying to get ready for lunch, dinner, pri- private dining, all of that stuff. 
then Hampton Manor was really slow, slowed down. I was a bit intimidated when I first got there. When I was on my trial, I sort of felt a bit relaxed. But when I first started there, when they offered me the job, I felt a bit intimidated because, you know, the level of produce coming through the door was insane. I was like, am I even going to be able to prep this properly or am I going to be able to make this recipe to Rob, who's a head chef, to his, to his standard? But I grew into it. Did Rob have a big part into that? or? Yeah, and I, that's testament to Rob, really. He's, uh, you know, Rob Palmer. He's an amazing head chef. He's so relaxed. Obviously, if you need telling off, you need telling off. And, yeah. Uh, and I think that was a way to be because before, like, you know, you just get shouted at sometimes for nothing. Yeah, that um, doesn't always work for everyone. Yeah. Sometimes people just quit. <laughs> and, like, he, he took the time to actually put the effort in and it's a testament to him and, and the sous chef at the time, Darren Meacham. Need to give him a mention as well because he he really took me under his wing. He's, with his guidance as well, I wouldn't be here either. So testament to them both, really. But yeah, Rob was a sound head chef. Like I very rarely got told off, which was good. <laughs> so when it was awarded its Michelin star, obviously with you all being such a family and so close, how did that feel? Did you all find out at the same time? And then uh, well, obviously Rob already knew like a few weeks before Andy because he'd been yeah. invited to the dinner, but he yeah. had to keep it on the down low. Um, but everyone knew, like we were pretty confident. And when it got announced, and that it was it was insane. Like we didn't just celebrate in the restaurant; it was a whole hotel. So you got banqueting as well because there'd be some nights we'd be short on a chef, we'd be in the shit or something, and uh, they'd they'd come over and they'd they'd help. They'd run a section or help on a section. So it was. Did a, you ever have to go the other way? Did you have to go? Yeah, sometimes. How was that? It was all right, you know. And it's it, hard it, work hotels. Yeah, it was it was nice though as well because you don't. You don't sort of lose your edge then, because you because I'm I was used to it anyway at Opus doing banqueting and stuff. Yeah, seventy odd covers like helping out on a wedding sometimes. Like I'd carve the beef or something if they needed me or whatever they needed me for, and I I used to enjoy it. I only done it like four times when I was there, but it was nice to still do it. Did everyone enjoy? It? I bet some people were like, oh, I don't <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You I don't have to name names. Like. I can't speak for others, but. <laughs> I just know if I was in that position, I'd be like, oh, man, I don't want to get stuck doing that. <laughs> no, nah, yeah. I mean, the thing with Bangtoon, it's a hit and run, isn't it? You're like, It's in one go. You're rushed in one, like, for about an hour and a half, two hours, and it's all, it all dies down. Chill. Clean down, have a few beers, go home. It's quite relaxed, Bangtoon is. Has any of the uh, TV work interested you? No one's ever approached me. But, um, <laughs> I, I love doing stuff that's out of the realm of the kitchen. Yeah. So the BBC Good Food show that was awesome. Yeah. It was amazing because I remember going there and buying my first chef's knife at the age of fourteen with my mother, <laughs> and to just it come full circle. And now I was on stage and I was I was doing a dish, doing a demo, and I was like, wow, it's insane. Um, but stuff like that I love doing. Like I love doing like this kind of stuff as well. Podcasts. Yeah. Things. So you like branching out to see. It's not just all about the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. It's it's That's whatever it. comes along. Whatever comes so the BBC come knocking. <laughs> so you're at Hampton Manor did, when the Michelin star coming in did you know that they're coming in or is it literally like because some people say it's a secret and then we speak to other people and other people are like nah, we, we knew they were being that yeah. night and stuff like that from what I remember I think they had an inkling yeah being there. so everyone's on top form that day yeah. and I remember actually there wasn't that many booked on the night they came and I think uh, James the managing director James Hill it's his baby, and he actually phoned up a few people to come and eat in the restaurant that <laughs> night to fill it up to make it <laughs> yeah, seem really, really busier. Most um, well, places busy, you're always thinking straight away, oh, this must be good, it's busy. Yeah, so and I, remember, I remember I was on Garnish at that time. I, just, I was still pretty new there, and uh, I was working alongside Darren, who's on the sauce, so it's right next next to the Garnish. I think I'd, I'd annoyed Darren a little bit in the in the in the daytime. <laughs> uh, 
in while I was prepping because we used to do like a bar menu and he was giving me this he was giving me a bit of stick in, in dinner service when Michelin's table came on because he was like I remember there was a, a steak and a chips that came on on the bar menu and you used to have to do like a, a garnish with a mushroom and a tomato and I didn't take the eye out of the tomato Oh. And uh, he was giving me a bit of pants for it. He wouldn't tell me off, but he just gave me a bit of stick. And he was like, and the Michelin table came on. He was like, I'll oh, make sure there's no uh, dodgy bits of mise en place. So I was like, all right, nice one. So that must have been a fascinating place to work, though, especially from where you had been as well. Yeah, it's so, the, so Lopez is a good level of food, yeah. really good. But I've been, I haven't been to Hampton Manor yet, but I've seen the pictures and I know people that have been, and it just sounds. Yeah, it was a, it was a totally different way of, of thinking about food and literally like seeing the new techniques i hadn't even seen in the six years i was like opus would you say it was like an eye-opener for you yeah, with food yeah and yeah massively and it's what what now looking back is where i took most of my inspiration from and my kind of style of food is a little bit of hand to man similar to that sort of vibe not, not on the same standard i wouldn't never say it's on the same standard because i'm not no. the kind of person but it's it's got attributes. How long were you at uh, Hampton Manor for? I was there for two years. And actually, it's, it's funny because obviously David left Opus and I ended up leaving. And Because uh, I was really close to the sous chef, Darren. Um, he ended up leaving as well, Hampton Manor. And he'd been there for like nine years or, so, or something like that. Wow. Um, I think so anyway. Been there a long time. And he, he decided he wanted to, to leave and he ended up going to Harborne Kitchen. Nice. So I was like, oh no, like, and I'd just been promoted to junior sous chef as well. And I was like, oh no, there's no, there's no sous chef here. Like, should I try and like push myself and try and bang the drum for myself to maybe get, you know, another, yeah, another, up to that level. Yeah, another level. But, um, looking back now, I wasn't ready anyway. No, no, but I was, I ended up, uh, leaving about four months after, yeah, after I got my junior sous position. Looking back now, it wasn't the best way that I left. Um, you know, so I, I'm not going to hide it. It's, you know everyone makes mistakes you know what i mean and you learn from them i suppose it's worth remembering you're still really i mean you're still really young now so even then you're talking what's that three years ago something like that yeah 21 20 yeah 2016 20 yeah something like that i think I yeah i mean that's still really young i mean i'm not even you've still got mistakes to make yet yeah 24 yeah. <laughs> i like to think now that you know i'm a lot more mature now and 100 percent and the things yeah. i've been through in the kitchen in in the kitchen and outside of the kitchen have made me like that but going back to that point uh I remember I was going on holiday to the Maldives like the the, the next day and uh, I ended up turning up late because I went to get my hair cut <laughs> and I was, uh, <laughs> I was on afternoon tea because the restaurant had started doing the afternoon tea because we wanted to do a whole different experience and flip afternoon tea on its head so it wasn't what you expected. Yeah. And uh, I remember I was starting at, I think it was like half 11 or something, I think it was a late shift and I ended up <laughs> getting there at like half past 12, one o'clock. Oh. Obviously, Rob was uh, wasn't very happy with me, and he's like, where, "Where the fuck you been?" I was, like, <laughs> I was like, "I've just been getting my hair cut," and he's like, "Well, that's not good enough." And just had a bit of a Barney with him. Was I was just like, "Well, I'm going on holiday." And he's like, "You know how you head chef." I shouldn't I shouldn't have spoke to him like that, but um, you know, it was from there. I just decided, nah. Well, I mean, I'm not being funny. People that age just still at uni. You know what I mean? Yeah, and acting up and being stuff, and you're still. So I ended up basically leaving right there and then. I was like, you know, I'm not being spoken to like this. And, you know, a few things had been said about me from other people working there that weren't true. So there was already a... I felt like there was a bit of an agenda in the end. Yeah. When there wasn't, looking back now, your judgment's clouded. When, you, when you're angry, you just, you know, you don't think rationally. Looking back now, I made the mistake. I shouldn't have been late, you know, cooking to that kind of standard. Like, wake up a little bit and, you know. Well, I said you're the head chef. What do you say if one of your 
Genie like, Seuss came rolling in yeah, an hour so, and a half I mean, late. There's only three of us in the kitchen because we're a really small team. Oh, you see, you'd really notice but, it. Yeah, yeah, you'd notice it. But like, I don't really, I don't really shout. Like, I've, t- I've took that from Rob. I think. I yeah. Don't, I don't shout. I don't, you know, kick up a fuss. Yeah. I just pull someone to the side after and speak to them. If they make a mistake again, then that's when you, you know, you, you say, "Look, come on now, you're taking the biscuit." You know, what I mean, you need to wake up, but. Yeah, I ended up uh, leaving right there and then and going on holiday to the Maldives and my mum's like, oh, you should send uh, some pictures to the lads at work. They might see what, you know, they might like, you know, what's going on here about the food and stuff. And I was <laughs> like, oh, um, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I remember actually phoning, I had a, a guy who's a uh, recruitment agent and he was phoning me while I was on holiday because yeah. I found out I'd, I'd left. Obviously, I had to lie to my mum at the time that, you know, I'd left. And what she was going on? She was... She was <laughs> I'm telling you, if I was younger, she would have given me a beating. But yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but she wasn't very. Happy. She was really disappointed in me because you know I'd, I'd blew an opportunity to you know potentially become sous chef there. Yeah, I'd let that go for what you know for a haircut basically. Oh Jesus! You know what I mean? So looking back now, it, it wasn't the right thing to do. Did it take you long to find another job? Not really. So at that point as well, I was, it was again I was thinking, oh, you know what, being a chef like. If I'm going to get told off for a haircut. I wasn't thinking rationally. I was like, you know what? I've just been on holiday. I've come back. I was fresh. I was like, maybe I should try something else. And my mum was like, I'll be honest with you, Harvey. You, you're stupid. You're not going to be good at anything else. <laughs> and that's the honest truth. And what am I going to do? Go back, go to uni or something? Like, yeah. No chance. I've, I ended up uh, doing a bit of agency work and doing a bit of agency. And I went down to uh, Dormy House for a little bit. Right. Oh, no, sorry. So I ended up leaving Hampton. And actually, that's when I went to the wilderness. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you mentioned earlier when we turned. Yeah, that's it. So that's, that's it, yeah. So I left Hampton Manor and the wilderness were just moving to the jewellery quarter. Obviously, they're moving again, but where they are now at the moment. And uh, I remember I sat down with Stuart Dealey and uh, Alex, obviously Stuart, who was their chef at the time. And they were like, we really like, you know, what was, you know, what we've heard about you. Do you fancy uh, coming on board? We'll make you a senior chef to party. I was thinking at the time, like, why can't you just make me junior sue? There's no one else there, junior sue. Mm. Like, I've got to a standard. I've, I've just come from a one-star four-rose establishment. Uh, a bit at the time, I was like, like, what the hell's going on? Like, you, you guys are taking taking the piss out of me. Well, I just took it because I wanted a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there and, you know, the wilderness is great, but I wasn't there for very long. I think I was there for like six months maximum. It just wasn't for me, the, the food style and stuff, because of what I'd, what I'd learnt from a young age. Was it a bit too sort of far out there? Yeah, it was a bit out there. And like some of the stuff, like, like I, know to, I know how to season food properly at that point. Like I know the season, levels of seasoning and stuff like that. And I'd, I'd season it and it wouldn't be good enough when I know for a fact it is. Little yeah. things like that, they just started to grate on me. And I wouldn't really have any influence on the on the creative side of anything. That, so you felt it was time for a move I after that? I felt it was time for a move. And that was the point I was like, oh, I'm going to fully pack this in now. I want to go into recruitment. Would you say you'd picked anything up from working at the Wilderness there? A little bit, yeah. A little, little few things and little techniques that, you know, fair play to Stuart. Obviously, I don't think we're the best of friends now, because, <laughs> but um, at the time, you know, he'd, he'd done a lot for me as well. He used to drop me off home and that, fair play to him. Uh, I learned a few things off him, absolutely, because he'd come from Simpsons. So that was of a classic background. Yeah. You know, a little few techniques and the the way of working methodically as well, Stuart was really good at. But that was it, really. So did you get to travel around much with the agencies? Um, a little bit, but I went down to a dormy house. That's when I went because I wanted to do recruitment. And then I was like, nah, it's not going to happen. Like, wake up again. Like, another reality check. Yeah. You're a chef at the end of the day. Why did the recruitment not happen? How far along so the rabbit hole did you get? I went for an interview to become a recruitment agent for uh, obviously you start off at like kitchen porters and stuff I think and they were like we want you to work on the, po- the part time and you're going to get a basic salary of like 
16, 15,000 pounds and anything is commission on top. And I got to that stage and I never got a call back. And actually, I'm pretty glad I didn't because I went on the agency as a chef and I went down to Dormy House and I remember getting a phone call actually off Darren because I was like, mate, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of packing this in, mate. Like I've had enough of like the industry and stuff. And he's like, well, what if I told you I'm, I've got a little bit of a thing going on right now. I'm actually on the way to become head chef at Swinfen Hall. And I was like, oh, really? He's like, he's like, yeah, I want you to become my, my sous chef there. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. So he's like, chin up. And I was like, right, then I'm going to go on the agency. And I went down to Dormy House. And it was amazing because uh, I went there and I was the first agency chef to ever be put on the sauce. And they were like, oh, why are you on the agency? They were shocked at how good I was. And I was surprised at the time. I was thinking, hold up. Because I'd never been on the agency before. I'd never seen an agency chef in my life. And then I was thinking, what what kind of standard of agency chefs working at then? If if I'm uh, if I'm more, I'm pretty good. And um, it was pretty cool because the team at the time they just transitioned, so they come from Watley Manor, which was a two star establishment. Martin Burge and his head chef Sam Bowser, they'd moved to uh, Dormy House, and uh, there was a big massive project there. There's like free, where Dormy House is, it's on Farncoom Estate. There's three hotels. Martin Burge had took over that project, and Sam Bowser was the head chef of Dormy. And I was there and I was basically doing the sauce section and that was amazing. Like the level of food, that was ultra classic. That was ultra classical. Nothing I'd ever seen before. And like, you know, making like boudins and stuff like that. It's insane. And uh, cassonade, black pudding cassonade with licorice. I remember that one. And uh, everything had to be done to the spec and everything was tasted by Sam, the head chef. Everything. And uh, like the way things were plated and stuff, like I'd never seen it before. How did you get on with that? You know, because you've said so far you've had trouble with like, been told what to do and and obviously if they're tasting everything you've got no freedom for creativity there like it's... yeah when i was when i joined hampton manor that sort of went out of me oh right. yeah it's, so from hampton onwards i was ready to learn give it my all working there was what really gave me the, the boost and i was like you know what you can actually have fun enjoy what you're doing as a chef it's not all doom and gloom you know you can have fun the dolly has not tried to take you off the agency input. Yeah, yeah, so they tried poaching me and obviously I knew I'll, where I was going anyway. I was going to be sous chef at Swinford Hall. And, um, you weren't tempted. I, I, I was and I wasn't. Was the, salaries, the salaries were really good at that time. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah. And it's living as well. I was thinking, hold up a minute. At the same time as well, I was thinking, nah, like, I want to work with Darren because you know I've got such respect for him and for what he's done for me. I was like, nah, I want to work, work with Darren as his sous chef as well. Um, so yeah, I went, I went to Swinford Hall. Did you uh, go anywhere else in the agency? or No, no it was just, it was just, just there. there, yeah. Were you quite glad you got the experience after just spending so long at Opus and then all of a sudden you had Wilderness, Hampton? Were you quite glad you got to go around a bit first? Yeah, it was nice to see different styles of food. But you probably didn't think it at the time. Know, yeah. <laughs> it was probably horrible at the time, but now you can look back and go, oh, well. Yeah, it was, it was amazing yeah, seeing the different types of food and the different, you know, different ways of doing stuff like not everyone's going to do something the same way but if it turns out right then it's okay um and that was a good thing like seeing different recipes and stuff like that do you still have that philosophy that like your chefs might want not want to do it your way then but if it comes out the same way that you want it in the end is that okay So i always say make it the way i make it and if you can think of a better way then that's fine if it comes out the same amazing we'll do it that way from now on so, for example, always, always that open, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've, yeah. I'm not, I'm, you know, it's not, that's good. I'm not like the kind of person. It's, it's not me, and you're doing as I say. 
there's a time there's a time and a place when that has to happen yeah if something's going wrong in service then I have to you know you have to step up you're the head chef what are you going to do just let everyone like carry on like sending stuff that's not right yeah, you can't let the ship sink <laughs> yeah, you can't you know but it's, it's about encouraging encouraging creativity and, and forward thinking it's not me my recipes you do it and that's it and you go home what's the point of that and Hampton Manor was like that it's you know you you know you got the creativity you got the freedom to you know you got you got the freedom to put dishes on it's insane so at every level you had the freedom to put dishes yeah, on yeah so we used to do a thing called uh, chef's lunch because obviously we're closed for lunch uh, it'd be like every once every three months or something Rob would give you a course and an ingredient and a cost price and you'd have to do a dish and it'd be like the head chef from banqueting the GM and everyone would sit down and we'd try the dish and not all the time but that's how creativity and things got on the menu that's a wicked idea yeah. have you come across many other places that do it no. do you do it here uh, I've tried to but I suppose the thing is it's such a small team yeah, it's free of yeah. yeah yeah we've got we've got a lot to do like it's a wicked concept though isn't yeah. it like but yeah, really, I, I really definitely good. 100% in the future look to do it like we've got a lad who works in the kitchen he's on a year's placement from UCB and I was talking to him about Hampton Manor about that kind of thing that we used to do and I said in like when it's towards the end of your thing I want you to see what you've learned here see what's in season and do a dish for us to try you know that and you know you come from a Chiquito there's nothing wrong with it but the 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 level of evolution from him has been insane like it's when he first came through the door he was you know he's used to just putting things in a microwave and and smashing it out you know and he come here and now he's making the bread you know we make bread fresh every day by hand no machine um make it by hand you know, is there a reason you make it by hand though the machine's broken <laughs> just to torture people yeah. like um, <laughs> it's free workout for him but uh now he makes the bread and stuff and he's running the larder doing the snacks as well we can't ask for more than that. Do you have a separate pastry room here, man? Not no. a pastry room. We've got a pastry yeah. section, but the yeah. kitchen's tiny. How oh, is it? Yeah, the the larder, and then you turn around the pastries there. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking for bread making, obviously, it's dependent on temperature. And yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a, we, the recipe I've got is we prove it in the oven anyway, in the rationale. There's a proving setting. Where'd you get your uh, recipe? So that's, that's actually... A, a variation of the cheese bread so i was looking around and when i first came here rich richard turner who's a head chef he uh he had a sourdough on the menu but he used to buy it in and it costs like 150 something quid a week for bread and it, go, it goes bad after one day you know what i mean it's it's not great it's not a great product i want to make it yourself but when i was looking at putting the bread on the menu i always know i wanted to do it fresh i was thinking do i want to do a sourdough i was like nah i don't want to do one because everyone does it I'm like, I want to do something a bit different, my own thing. So it's basically a variation of the cheese bread that you do at, at Hampton Manor. So it's got like treacle in there, stuff like that, brown yeah, sugar. Nice. Stuff. Uh, but we make ours, so it's a beer and malt loaf. So instead of the water, we put beer inside. And then we brush it with malt glaze, malt extract, and then uh, some mold and salt. So it's, it's really tasty. Nice. Serve really it nice. with a yeasted butter as well. The butter has got what the bread's got inside. It's got yeast inside. Yeah, like toasted yeah. yeast butter is insane. That sounds really good. You went to Swinfin, was it? Yeah, Where's, so whereabouts that Derbyshire way? Yeah, Litchfield. So just off uh, the, uh, the dual carriageway, literally right next yeah, to the I prison. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I've seen it there before. Yeah. I've passed it a few times. I've never been in there. Right next to the prison. <laughs> and um, yeah, I went there and it was great. It was, you know, to see 
the kind of vision that they had for Darren and you know they, they basically promised us a load of things they had a wall garden they had the potential for everything um, it was just a bit of a shame that Darren ended up leaving because the, the things they'd promised weren't coming to fruition yeah um, which is like the soul of the dream basically more so than any other industry if you lie to a chef and promise them the world, chefs don't ha- don't stand for that shit. Nah, yeah, chefs are like, you promised me this, you haven't delivered, I'm gone. Yeah, and the thing is, it had the potential to be like a Hampton Manor. It still has. Like the head chef there now, Bruce, is his first head chef job. He's a pastry chef by trade. You know, it's still got the potential. You know, to to become something amazing, a destination restaurant. Did you stay there long? Or? I wasn't there long at all. I was there for six, seven months. But it's because Darren had left and he, he basically wanted a bit more time with his family. You know, he was feeling the pressure and stuff. And, you know, I'd never seen that guy cry before. And that was the first time he cried in front of me. And I was like, wow, like, it's really having an effect on you. How did it make you feel that you, you were so close to, like, finishing in the industry? And then Darren kind of brought you back in and got your hopes up. And then all of a sudden it just ended sour like. At the beginning, I was, you know, I was disappointed because I was like, I've come here to work with you, and and that's the honest truth. I was disappointed, but I never told him because of the amount of respect I had for him. It never affected our friendship because that was the most important thing. We were friends outside of work, and inside of work as well. Um, and I understood why because you know he's got a young family, he's got young young daughters. You know, he wants to see them grow up. You don't want to yeah, be doing slaving. Yeah. And he was, we were doing like eighty hours. I mean, we're doing breakfast shifts at six o'clock, and we're doing like free each a week me and him because no one else can do it can't trust them and stuff like that and I, I was actually living there at the time in the staff accommodation yeah because I hadn't passed my driving test then and um, I was like oh man I need to get out of here and I, it was after that when Darren had left I stayed there for a little bit helping out and whatever and then I just parted ways yeah where did you go to then? so I came here then and that was it yeah <laughs> I came here as a sous chef to Richard Turner from there that's when I became head chef when he left Things got interesting. Things got interesting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't think we'll talk about that because we'll probably get sued. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where that, all of that stands, but yeah. we're here to talk about you. Yeah. So how was it working initially on the, like, he's a legend, isn't he? Like, yeah, you know, like, I've got the so. utmost respect for him as well. You know, he's, he's one of the, the foundations in Birmingham for for fine dining, you know, yeah. uh, he's done a he's done a lot. Um, working under him, the first couple of months was tough. He actually made me cry. <laughs> I don't I don't cry often, but he made me cry that that night. I remember um, because I challenged him on something, and obviously he's got the old school regiment of okay, you're my sous chef, but you're still doing as you're told. Like you're not making no decisions. Yeah. And it took time for me to earn his respect. Um, but once I earned it, he was you know he's your best friend. No. do you like that like you had the same openness learning just, respect yeah, Is it, do you like having them little challenges for yourself yeah and actually that's the one thing I, I said to my mum like when I was speaking to her because we're quite close we chat about stuff and I was like it's, you know what it's actually like being back at Opus like the regiment and I'd missed that because okay yeah well, it's all great like Hampton Manor being a family place and that it's amazing but when I left there I struggled because I was getting back into doing lunch service back into doing this back into doing breakfast shifts it was tough yeah, I bet. Um, and then coming here, working under Richard, doing that kind of old school mentality, you know, it was good. What's the services here? Has it always been the same? Lunch and dinner? Yeah, two lunch services. And dinner, yeah, lunch and dinner. Through, from Tuesday to Friday, lunch and dinner. Saturday, just dinner. Sunday, Monday, we're closed. That's it. 
that's not too bad at least you get the two days off yeah it's just pretty good and you know i try and we try and do stuff on our days off like when you came here today i was with my sous chef andrea went for a few pints and it's really important to me like we went to wharton towers in the summer the whole team you know, oh, nice because i've picked that kind of stuff up from hampton yeah I try and implement yeah it here and it, it works so things didn't work out with obviously chef turner and they everyone parted ways and then how did you end up becoming head chef so i was always talking to uh, gilles the restaurant manager here and uh, a couple of the staff the sommelier as well about you know my, my vision of food and what i think about food and stuff like that and i think they sort of picked that up and when the time came to replace richard gilles just approached me and said do you fancy being head chef and i was like you know what 100 percent. Like, i could see what we can do here like opportunity because i'd always said like we need someone young here there's there's need some young influence here a bit of drive he's like yeah that's that's we're gonna give you a chance and he phoned up the owner and uh i spoke to the owner he was like i'm gonna give you a shot mate let's go for it and i was like you know what let's do it then amazing fair play to the owner and everyone else involved yeah it's a big risk you know it's an age that you think well maybe five years time come back like, don't see. get me wrong like, I've done really well in the industry but the, I'm not going to lie and sit here like, and pretend everything's okay like there's a lot of people I've pissed off as well and there's a lot of people who, who love me like it, it's it's one of them like you know you're gonna, always going to get people who don't like you for right or wrong reasons you know they could have easily picked up the phone and phoned people and asked oh, do you think Harvey's a good no they didn't do any of that they just gave me the chance just briefly you said you were sharing your vision for food and philosophies yeah could you share any of them with us just like about food like so going back to hampton manor like everything's within the seasons and you're working with you know local produce local produce cooked well you know the thing is there's a lot of restaurants out there they get the best end of this they get the best best scallops this and that blah blah you know it's easy to cook that stuff like what takes more skill is if you get something that's takes time that you have to you have to nurture it you have to care for it and you know you put effort in and that takes skill not cooking the best end of this or cooking that and that's that's what i always thought you know we don't have anything ridiculously expensive on the menu like the most expensive thing we've got on the menu is a beef fillet but we get that in whole we break it down all the trimmings like the chain and stuff we use for staff we've got a mincer in there andrea makes his you know bolognese his sous chef is from italy you know makes a banging ragu not bolognese he'll kill me if he hears that <laughs> um you know and then like the chateau we use that as well so nothing goes to waste and it's broken down properly and stuff like that so the entire menu nothing's the same as it was before everything's yeah, you've designed it you've come up with own. everything yourself every couple of months or so i'll, I'll change the menu up to, to work with the seasons so it's a seasonal menu it's yeah, always going to be different yeah. you've got no dishes that will probably be on i've got elements of dishes so like the the apple dessert I was on about the core foundations of that will stay the same but the flavours will change so it'll be probably like a we could do one that's like a take on a frangipan for example so then you'd still have the puff pastry you'd still have a, a mousse of some kind or almond mousse or something and then you'd have like a sorbet so you keep the elements the same but different flavours do you find it hard to compete in Birmingham since there seems to be quite a lot of I mean Birmingham's great for fine dining yeah. as well especially this sort of level and even more so the sort of laid back level, it's still quite good on that because you can go to many, many restaurants like Adam's. You don't have to dress up there. I've read and read on your website. You don't have to dress up too no, much to come here. Like this seems like fine dining in Birmingham's got a more laid back element to it than it does if you go to say London or other places where they've got it. So how do you sort of compete in that type of market? Oh, 
at the end of the day, you can say compete, but it's it's kind of difficult. It's where people want to go. Yeah, That's, it's it's down to them. You just have to believe in what you're doing, and and not and not change when there's like a trend going on. You know, there was a lot of things with street food and that that took off. You know, there's now there's all this vegan malak going on. Like, I ain't got anything against vegans, but it's not for me. I don't want to <laughs> yeah, shut yeah, down yeah. my throat. Yeah, um, no, that makes sense. And there's a lot of places that are now they'll start doing vegan everything. There's a lot of things like you know Greg's and that, for example. It's crazy. Don't change what you what you're doing because Peak. trends come and go. And just stick to what you know and do it well, and people will come. That'll that'll get you where you need to go. That's it. Yeah. So have you got many plans for this place then? So how long have you been the head chef now? Uh, well, it's coming up to a year now. Was it last yeah, May? Well, was it? Yeah, well, I was cut. Well, not almost a year, but yeah, last May. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not far. It's, it's not far much off. A year. Yeah. Um, just want to keep get keep the place busy, especially for lunch. I'm not going to lie and say you know fully booked all the time because no places. No, no, no worries. Um, it's it's just a lunch trade. You know we've got all these places around us, but they've all got their own catering and stuff now. It's pretty difficult. Whereas you know, ten years. I'm talking like I'm like forty years old, but like ten years <laughs> ago, you know, you get people will come to a restaurant to finalize a business deal or take a client out. You know that very rarely happens now because they've got their own catering got their own fine dining going on as well these days um but i just want to get keep the place busy you know that's the main main thing we're really accessible great value for money as well i was gonna say because the set the the taster menu is about the same level as what you'd expect but then you've got the set menu that you can have as well and that's great value got the the a la carte menu it's you know it's 45 pound for three courses you're getting bread you're getting bougie you know getting all these kind of things that you that are not written on the menu you're getting you know getting looks after you're getting the little bits that you'd yeah. normally get on the and, side you know we sometimes you know we have to stick you know an ad up on groupon or something because you know we need people in well that's it you've got to do what you've got to do yeah, to get, get people in the restaurant tasting menu for two people for 70 quid six courses come on you know and it's not it's not different it's nothing different it's all the same because for me i don't want we try doing like a early lunch and evening menu which is like you know kind of bistro kind of stuff and it just wasn't working out no and you end up throwing half of it in the bin anyway no, you don't want to waste, especially yeah. the day and age. You don't want to be wasting it's, food as well. It's not, it's not what we were doing. It wasn't on the same level. So why are we going to try and do that to try and, you know, it's not going to work. It's not working. How did your sense night go? Because I read about that. And I read about it after it happened. And I was like, oh, I wish I'd heard about it. And then I know some people that were actually here that night and they were raving about it. It was really good. And it was nice to do something a bit different. Like I said, I like doing the things that are a bit not normal. Um so how would you explain it to someone that I didn't know about the night? So what we done was we done a tasting menu. It was like four courses. Every dish had to have a bit of of a sensory element. So you couldn't see the dish. You were blindfolded. The restaurant was blacked out. The dishes had it was all to do on taste, smell, texture, them kind of things. So we, on the menu, I remember we doing we did a beetroot dish with a goat cheese ice cream a bread crisp so all all our bread that doesn't get served like that's left over we turn that into a, a crisp yeah nothing goes to waste and that's a that's another thing as well about the philosophy and stuff and the ethos is don't waste anything did the people know what they were going to get they had a sort of a inkling because the menu was like up there to see but yeah most of the people didn't know. <laughs> do you have people that couldn't and that, but, yeah you know we catered for them but the, i think they sort of didn't know what was going on because i came out after and spoke to them about the menu and they were like, oh, uh, what was the main course? I was like, so that was duck that you had? And they were like, wow, that's duck. We couldn't see it. We didn't think it was duck. That's amazing. It's amazing that that sense makes such a difference with yeah, and eating. It was, it was such a cool thing to do, you know, for charity as well. You know, you always got to give back, you know, that's really important. And uh, it was really, it was a really good night. Everyone enjoyed it. 
Have you read that book, uh, Gastrophysics? No, I don't, I don't read books. Nah. <laughs> but that's, that's all about, I think it was the scientists who worked with Heston. Yeah. And they were designing the refurb on the, uh, the duck. But it's, yeah, it's basically what you're saying there, like how everything affects the taste of food, like colour, smell, what, how it looks like, size of plate, heaviness of the cutlery. But yeah, it's cool if you're into that kind of thing. Like yeah. it's worth. It's not a massive book to read, but you can get it on Audible and listen to it. That's what I do. So I'll, I'll have to check that it's, out. Yeah, it's definitely you'd, you'd be really interested in that stuff. Like, it sounds like uh, it was an awesome evening. I didn't know much about it, so it was nice to hear about it then. Yeah, it was not. It was you know it was lovely to do as well. And I tried on the uh, they had some like blindfold things as well, like different types of glasses for different levels of blindness and stuff and uh, stuff like that. And I tried that, and that was really cool as well to like look from that perspective so did sense come in as well and yeah so it was, it was, it. A, it was a guy from sense i can't remember his name off the top of my head but he, he came in and uh, he basically helped organize it along with uh our pr wow and is there more stuff planned like that for the future uh, not, or would you not, consider it not you? planned right now but I'd, I'd love to do it now you know if people want to like on monday we just gone we've done that event the forum thing that's something a bit different like if anyone wants to use this space for something charity event you know anything we're open to it oh wow that's amazing so any more plans for directions you want to go in with the restaurant any more like things coming up you want to talk about there's there's nothing much really going on um like i said we just want to get the place busy that's that's the most important thing um and you know it's only now the reputation of marabelles is slowly picking up you know like yourselves like you approach to do this and you know, that just shows that the name of Marabelle's and myself, like what we're doing here is, you know, it's working. Well, it is. People have told us about this restaurant and people have mentioned you by name. Yeah, yeah you need to speak to Harvey and all this. Yeah, so. actually, I think uh, our fish supplier gave, gave me a cheeky mention. Who's that? Sarah from uh, M&M. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's class, she is, yeah. But no, your name's come up a few times yeah. now, which is always a good sign. For good or bad, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't heard anything bad. Well, I haven't heard anything bad. Speaking in general, do you... Do you have any like restaurants you admire or look up to? They don't have to be in Birmingham; it can be anywhere. Uh, not really. Like, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I don't really pay attention to like you know all these like two stars and three stars. It doesn't really interest me. I'll be I'll be upfront about that. What What interests me is you know places that are serving good food. That's what interests me. So it doesn't even have to be fine dining. It could be something you know that's a bit different, like you know original party men or something like that. Yeah. That interests me. Stuff like that interests me. <laughs> interest me so, yeah. you know what I mean so all these kind of places I'd say fine dining wise it's Hampton Manor hands down for me that's had the, the best on me yeah um, I did a, when I was at Hampton I did a few stages actually I went to Casimir in Bristol nice and that, actually that was epic working yeah. there um, you know, two you got, brothers that own that isn't yeah, it yeah well it's uh, Peter Sanchez now that's, um, his brother unfortunately passed away a few years ago and I actually spoke to him you know because they were on the uh, can't remember was it the F word or something or Ramsey's best restaurants. Yeah, yeah they were yeah. one of them programs. And actually, I remember speaking to him about it and saying, "Oh, how was it?" And he, I remember him telling me it was an amazing experience, exposure for the place because they already had a star as well. Yeah, it did. When yeah, they were on there. Um, but it was amazing to work there because he knew I was from Hampton Manor, and I'd spoken to him and I'd said because um, they had this passion fruit pre-dessert thing on, and I was like, "Where'd you get your passion fruits from?" They're like, "Oh, we just get them off our supplier." I'm like, have you ever tried these jumbo passion fruits? And they're like, what? 
and they'd never heard of it and at Hampton Manor we used to get these jumbo passion fruits like flown in and they're like twice three times the size and they're amazing do they taste the same as normal that, just, yeah. it's like on steroids or something it's yeah. insane like it's, it's so amplified the flavour do you know what they do to get them like that or? I don't know I think it's just that, that variety of passion fruit <laughs> oh, it's not GM no, no. <laughs> um, science like, lab like. I remember at Hampton so I'd done the stage there and I remember there's like a there was an annual awards thing at the staff party for people who have achieved in the year and stuff yeah and I was one of them luckily enough and uh James Hill, the managing director, took us all down to Casimir. There was about 10 of us. And we went there a week after I'd done the stage. Went down there to eat. And uh, I took some passion fruits down cool. with me. I was wow. like, yeah, I'll have to try these. And they were like, oh, they're amazing. That's cool, isn't yeah, it? And, uh, I've done a, done a week stage at Sat Baines as well, which was really cool. Intense. Is it, that's, yeah, it's intense. <laughs> it, it's funny when I went there because obviously Sat's from the same part of the world yeah. as me, pretty much, you know, got a bit of the same background. What was funny when I got there, he was like, Where are you from? I was like, From Birmingham. He was asking me my background and stuff. Obviously, it matched. And he was like, Oh, so you're a Punjabi gangster. And his <laughs> wife was actually there and she turned around and she was like, oh, It takes one to know one, sir. And he just, dead silence. <laughs> you know, his boss there. Um, but it, it was really cool. Like, it was intense. I'm not going to lie. I've never seen anything like it. That's the most intense workplace, work atmosphere I've been in. Everyone's running around, literally running around all day, nonstop. But they get three days off a week, so, you know. They do. You just put it, put it in for four days. That's his philosophy, though, isn't it? He has you one day off to sleep and then two days to have your weekend to do what you want to do. It's cool, that is. But, yeah, that was that was really cool, working there for a week. There's a team of three of yous in the, in the kitchen. Yep. Different challenges now that you're a head chef. How do you... Uh, yeah, no, like... I, Yes, in the sense that you know anything that comes through the kitchen is my is my responsibility. It was before, but now it's it's on me. Yeah, and uh, I take everything. Sometimes I wear my heart on my sleeve, which is not always the best thing to do. You know, going way back to taking criticism to now. Obviously, now I'm a lot better at it. But sometimes you have to, you know, steer the ship in the right direction. If someone's, I remember once one of the lads who came in, he was hanging, been out, he literally been out on the Friday night. I don't know what time he got home, but he came in. He was looking like a zombie. He was out of it. <laughs> and uh, I remember I had to give him a right telling off. And, you know, since then, he knows if he wants to go out, enjoy yourself. But don't, you know, you're still representing Maribel at the end of the day. Yeah. There's pictures of you on social media. You need to just wake up a little bit on that sense. And mm. since then, he's he's been okay. Um, there's them kind of challenges, obviously, when people have got stuff going on outside of work as well, and it has an effect on them. It's like myself, it's, you know, it's been a thing before. You have to put your arm around them, you know, you have to talk to people yeah don't just they're not just here to come and work like we all, we speak to each other you know what i mean we we tell each other our problems we help each other out and that's <clears throat> and that's really important to me and but that's one of the challenges as well balancing everything and obviously food costs and stuff like that and yeah all of it really but i've i've seen i've seen both sides of it i've seen it where you can get stuff in you have to work from a tight budget and i've seen like hampton manor there wasn't really a gp there yeah and you're ordering the like the most incredible things insane the aim is just to get the best ingredients possible yeah cost didn't really matter too much do you have any mentors you can phone like for a bit of advice or anything so darren's definitely one of them i met up with him actually a couple weeks ago for for a cheeky pint um because he does contract catering now so he Mm. works in gowling and snow hill yeah like the fine dines there he popped over and uh, we had we had a pint and that and we were just chatting. So he's definitely someone. Darren is someone 
I definitely talked to for advice. David as well. So actually, I remember um, David. He came in and uh, he actually came in eight here. Like when I got the head chef position, I was like, I was like, wow. Were you nervous? I, I was shitting <laughs> it. I'm not. I was bricking it. Um, but he he loved it and he said it was amazing. And that oh, that was nice. From that moment, I knew like, yeah, okay, this is me. Like I'm I'm ready now. This is it. Like I, I can take this. Before then, it was like a couple of months. I was, you know, I was like, "Am I actually going to be okay being head chef? Don't change. Like all these things are running in your head. Like, you know, don't change with people. And that's really important. You don't want to change your sort of attitude and the way you are with people, even though you're in a more senior position. Um, but he came in, he ate the food, and he loved it. And from then, it was just boom, my confidence just took a big boost. But them two people, definitely. It's always good to have a few I'm mentors a to well, call obviously, on. You know, obviously, your mum. Yeah. I don't mention her enough. She'll, she'll give me a good yeah, no, I'm I normally, in most, especially the episodes with chefs, but I try and do it in every episode, is I try and get some kind of advice. And from you, I would like, what advice would you give to somebody who's about to take on their first head chef role? Or maybe they're a bit younger or they feel like they're kind of like, They've got something to prove because, I don't know, maybe they haven't got as much experience as somebody else. What, what advice could you give them? Just be confident in yourself and, and don't change. Like I said, that's the most important thing. Don't change the way you are with people because as soon as you start trying to be aggressive in your approach with people and try and, like, you know, mimic, like, these chefs that, you know, get shot at people for nothing, you're gonna, you're gonna lose, you're going to lose yourself you're going to lose your personality and that's that's what I'd say be confident and don't change and trust the people around you they're there for a reason like you was you was there for a reason before like they're there for a reason because they can do the job it's not a one man show everyone's in it together front and back of house that's really important don't try and force your opinion on uh, people who know how to do something better than you so even though you're head chef you can't come out here and start telling people what wines to put on the list yeah you know you you got to just calm yourself down a little bit. That's really mature outlook, like, and I think yeah. way, way beyond your years there, like, it's class, like, yeah. really good to hear. Obviously, don't go, you don't want people to go and start watching Boiling Point and copy and no, Ramsey, well, like. Don't get me wrong, I love Boiling Point. Actually, when we do a deep clean, I stick Boiling Point on. And it's that, so funny. Hampton, I used to do that, stick Boiling Point it's on. It's so funny. It's so it. funny going back and watching it now, like, because yeah. I remember at the time, and it's like, it was a different world, like, that, like, 19, what, year, 1999 or something. Just a completely different one. Imagine slapping someone on the back of the head and calling them yeah. a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> you do that now. You're in a whole world of you can't do that. And it, but yeah. yes, you're watching it, cringing, thinking, like, why did he stand for that? Because no one would stand for that now. Like, which is yeah. just a different era. But it's brilliant to watch. It's, it's amazing to watch. Yeah. And, uh, just don't go. That's your advice. Don't don't start doing don't that start, shit. Don't start thinking. Yeah, don't start thinking you're Ramsey. Like, you know, hey, big boy. Yeah. Big boy. <laughs> Ram, Ramsey's actually one of the early like one of them kind of celebrity chefs. Who he is a celebrity now. You can't you can't even deny that himself. That you know no one's ever going to get to that level again. Like there's uh, plenty of successful people, but he's just on a totally different planet. Like he's just insane. Like the uh, the amount of things he's done for the industry. Like you know. Back then, it was all about celebrity chefs, wasn't it? Like, you know, when he done yeah. Boiling Point and stuff. There's obviously Marco as well at the time. Gary Rhodes. Yeah, all of them. You know, yeah. shout out Gary Rhodes. First cookbook was Gary Rhodes. Yeah. And it was 
which was you know it had an effect on me you know because I, I had one of his cookbooks and I was like bloody hell that's another that's another solid foundation of you know hospitality industry in the whole of the UK we were saying like if you just you could trace like most of the top chefs yeah. now back to like Gary Rhodes Gordon Ramsay like you yeah. could you could put them all the way back down. yeah all the way back there's like a timeline there isn't there like a, a tree Gordon Ramsay for me is like you know a benchmark you know he's, he's done he's so successful it's insane no one's no other chef's gonna get to that level I'm firmly believing that. Yeah, we're in, different. Yeah, yeah different world. Now, obviously, you got you know like Tom Carriage and you know people yeah. like that. He's doing really well for himself, and he was at the Good Food Show actually, and he recognised me because he'd uh, years ago. There's a video on YouTube of when he came to Opus, and mm. he done a uh, he done a, like a, a dinner on a mon- on a Monday night or something. Yeah, it was it was Pennell's Opus and Tom Carriage, and uh, he actually recognised me when I was at the BBC Good Food Show just just last year in November from then I was like wow like, you know it's amazing he must have met like thousands of people yeah, in between then and it was just mad because I was allowed access to the green room because I was doing a demo and you know you got Rick Stein over there chowing down on some salmon you got Tom Carriage over here you know you got all these people around you and I'm like bloody hell like, that's the level you're at <laughs> that's like, where like you're at boy. I, was going over to, <laughs> I was going over to him I was like can I, can I have a picture and you know they're, they're really kind enough to do so it was, just, it was surreal <laughs> We normally finish, well, we've started to finish now. I don't know if you heard, we've done it at the end of Alex's, where Carl questions everything. So he's just going to ask you a few questions. Yeah, sure. Not so much food or restaurant related, just to get to know you a little bit better. Just quick fire answer. Nothing too serious. Yep. Hello again. What's your favourite movie? Movie Scarface. <laughs> nice. Uh, your favourite band? Oh, no. So I listen to, uh, like, hip hop, UK, UK. Are you allowed to say world favourite artists? D Block Europe. That's my favourite. Wow. I haven't heard this. Yeah. I feel old now. <laughs> I'll have to write this down. Uh, what's your favourite spirit? And I mean specifically to the bottle. Uh, I'd say uh, vodka, but it'd have to be the um, Ciroc peach. Yeah, I'm a bit of a fairy like that. <laughs> That's no, nothing wrong with that, mate. I'd drink it. Uh, what's your favourite beer? Carling. Can I have a Carling, darling? You can have Carling. Yeah, you know yeah. what a few people have said? Yeah. <laughs> You're not the only one. What's your favourite sort of? Big food, sort of fast food chain. Oh, Mackey's, hundred percent. You're Mackey's. Yeah, I was just there last night. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can't beat it, can you? Nice. So uh, I think Alex said something similar. Then he's like, just for consistency, there's yeah. nowhere better. Like you, you go anywhere in the world and you ask for a Big Mac, you get a fucking Big Mac. McDonald's is definitely the place to go. Mm. What's your favorite takeaway? Yeah, McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're in there as well. Oh, KFC as well. I like KFC. Yeah, I've got KFC down on there. What's your favorite dish that you cook at home? My mum's chicken curry. I've got it. I think I've got it down pretty much now. You've you've yeah. mastered it. Yeah, not the rice though. I will leave that to her. But, uh, <laughs> the chicken curry. The, that I've made it here for staff as well. Yeah, I've got it pretty. Down it's that good. Too. Yeah, I you used got... to make it at Hampton as well. Really? Yeah. Is it a secret? Or can you give me the recipe? Uh, it's easy. It's just <laughs> you, a uh, onion, couple of onions, garlic, chili, ginger. Blend it up a little bit, not too fine. So it's a paste. Uh, fresh tomatoes, not tin tomatoes. Fresh chopped tomatoes, chop them by hand. In a pan, veg oil in, in with that mix. Then in with uh, garam masala, a little bit of chilli powder, ground cumin, ground coriander. Then a little bit of chicken stock, so like nor chicken bouillon or something. That's that's the perfect thing to put in there. Yeah. Sprinkle a bit of that in, put your chicken in, straight in with the water. So it's not you're not searing your meat or anything, it's just poaching in the broth. And uh, finish it with fresh chopped coriander at the end and some salt. The kind of curries that I have are proper traditional, like the, the more more like broths. Yeah. Not these thick, 
stodgy things, no chicken tikka masala, nothing wrong yeah, with it. Yeah, don't get me started on that. But that's that's what that is. Nice brothy chicken curry. Well, this has been great. Really simple. Really? That's it. That's all that's in there. I'd make that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm obsessed with Indian cooking at the moment. That and Mexican cooking, so I'm all over I've it. seen what you guys did, actually. You've done a little uh, chicken pop-up thing. Uh, the thing at Little Blackwood? Yeah. yeah, we did a pop-up there where we did, I did one course, Liam did another course, and then two other bloggers did two of the other courses, yeah. Pretty good, actually. That uh, meat and one veg, man, I'm telling you, that looks like uh, serious pudding, that did. Yeah, it was. It was a really good pudding of Ben's. I mean, I mean, uh, size. <laughs> 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 and on that note... Thanks very much, Harvey. Really appreciate your time and inviting us down here for the blast. It's been a blast. Much appreciated. Thanks for coming down. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thanks, mate. Take care.